Welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Grimet. This week's guest is my friend Lila Javon. Um, this episode is a little bit different. Um, we do talk about work quite a bit because Lila and I have been uh, on many projects projects together and have worked together a lot. But um, Lila is currently fighting leukemia for the third time. And that has affected her life, as you can imagine, quite a bit. And the lives of her friends and family. And um, and I just wanted to highlight that and, and, and talk to her about what it's like to have it and what it's like to go through and her recovery and and all that stuff. And, you know, cancer will touch probably all of us at one point or another. Um, and hopefully that number will go down, but it seems to be going up at the moment. So, um, you know, I just wanted to talk about that stuff. It's, you know, and, and look, this isn't a downer episode or anything like that. It's actually pretty uplifting, I think, uh, to hear her story. And um, she's an uplifting person as well. So if you're feeling charitable... After listening to this episode, check out LLS.org or BeTheMatch.org or ClimbToCure.com. That's ClimbTheNumberToCure.com. And if you'd like to check out my Patreon page, please do at Patreon backslash Walking Backwards. And you can email me at WalkingBackwardsPodcast at gmail.com. Should we start? Sure. Okay. Hi, Lila. Hi, Brad. <laughs> How are you? Good. I just saw you Monday, and now it's Wednesday, and I'm seeing you again. This is great. I know. It's like we're working together again. <laughs> I know. I know. I have such good memories of that um, of of that movie in North Carolina where we were roommates for... How long were we roommates? Three weeks? Three weeks. Yeah. Um, I have good memories of the of the time rooming with you <laughs> I could me- that was like the only good memory for me of, on that movie and and <laughs> right and Susan and Victoria yeah. but like oof, some of the other stuff going yeah. on was but that part was good yeah it became like film camp it did it like did sitting out on that porch it was great wasn't yeah. it and the goats the goats in the backyard and a charcoal grill that I used how many nights a week like almost every night. <laughs> I help perfect my egg sandwiches. Oh, yeah. You make the best egg sandwiches. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, when did we meet? 2005? Yeah, it was um, on Dirty. Yeah. You were the A operator. I was B. Um, that was fun. And then we... Wh- when did we work together next? It was a couple years later, probably. Yeah, was it... Um, in the, it was the Bahamas. It that was, was the next time? I think so. I mean, there might have been small things in between. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe. Because the Bahamas was like, oh, eight. Yeah. I know that seems like a big gap. I wonder if there's something in between. We must time. have worked. We definitely saw each other yeah. on multiple occasions. I remember I saw you at the Dirty premiere party or crew party or whatever yeah. it was. Um, and then, yeah. Anyway, uh, we've been friends for a long time. Yeah. 13 years. And that, I remember that movie, Dirty. I think we all felt this way. I just, on the last day, I I said to um, um, Fish and Elliot, I think you were sitting there. I'm like, can we just start the sequel right now? (laughs) Yeah. We were all so, we got along so well and it was so creative and fun and I don't know. I just loved it. I agree. You know, I think as a... Yeah, I think we all just had, a, a, I think you said perfectly the creative freedom. 
Yeah. You know? And I think Elliot Rocket is such a great DP. Me too. And I think he created such a good environment just that we could all just do our thing. and. Yeah. I was bummed when he moved away. Wait, I, I worked with him a couple of times after that on different projects like commercials and shorter stuff but um um he moved away to to portland and i was like oh i know because <laughs> uh, he was one he was one of my favorites i mean still is i guess it's just been a long time since i've seen him so am i remembering right that we shot that on super 16 you are and i remember I think that's the last uh show i did on super 16 if you think about it uh, I definitely worked on other stuff. Um, I mean, intermittently throughout. Yeah. I did a pilot on Super 16 a few years back, and uh, what else? Oh, it's such a great format. Yeah, for that <clears throat> type of gritty. Oh, for the look of that yeah, movie, you know what I mean. Was, Just to have that it was the perfect and thing, and then and then the zoom. We were doing all the zooms, yep. zooming in, zooming in, zooming in, only in. Remember. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, it was good. It was fun. Oh my gosh. I have a flashback memory of hard mounting the rig on the back of that camera car. I was just thinking about that camera car ride. Cause, um, I was driving through Malibu last week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I remember we went and we hit the fog. Yeah. Like we were shooting, we were shooting, I think up in Hollywood first and then we went down to Malibu and we hit like the that fob bank that sometimes comes in. Right. Yeah. And we went at like rush hour. <laughs> yes. We 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 started driving at what like probably four yep. or something. I mean we 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 went the whole way. We got on the freeway. Dr- yep. And I'm hard mounted the whole. Yeah. Way. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Um, yeah, and they were free driving behind us. Yeah. We're in live traffic. It probably wasn't the smartest no. I mean we weren't doing anything dumb no. but it's still you know it probably was not the brightest thing we could have ever done um, but I don't know it was fine it, yeah. we were safe about things but yeah. Um, but yeah with with Cuba driving and who tends to get a little wild driving yeah. <laughs> one thing I loved about that movie was you know Cuba plays a cop and I remember when we were down, because we spent so much time in Venice Beach, like right on the boardwalk. I missed I, most of that part. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was a little bit earlier. So yeah. I remember him telling a story that, you know, he's Cuba Jr. So he gets people saying hello to him all the time. And I remember he said after, maybe it was like the first or second day that we were on the boardwalk and he was in his police uniform. Uh-huh. He said so many fewer people actually acknowledged him. Because people automatically, like this isn't when we were shooting, when we were sort of hanging out on the sides and stuff. Because people don't want to look at a cop in the eye so people weren't recognizing that it was him because he was in a police uniform right so he was kind of like incognito that's so funny because he was in uniform yeah it's almost like a little social experiment yeah (laughs) that's yeah that's so weird i wish i was there for that stuff because you guys shot a lot of like skateboarding and stuff and Mm -hmm. um i think i just kind of there was a scheduling conflict or something i ended up replacing somebody but um <clears throat> but yeah, so I missed like the first week or two, I think, right? That was um that was right before I joined the union actually. I joined in 05. Um and then let's see. So we did that, then we did the Bahamas. That was the next long-term thing. That yeah. was super fun too. Um shooting was fun, but 
after work was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> in the pool every day. Exactly. Security didn't care. We'd watch the sun come up with glass bottles in our hands in yeah. the pool. Um, yeah, I, I must say when I was um, picking the crew, I sort of selectively chose people who could appreciate Be the, fun. Yeah. Because you kind of have to to put up with the because it was grueling. I mean, people are like, "Oh, great!" Because we didn't went summertime. Summer how hot in the Bahamas. It was. Oh. I mean, and six day weeks. Six day weeks. Although they did it the right way, um, six days on, two off. Yeah. So we end up working. We end up being there a short amount of days, but we still get two days off every week. Yeah, that actually was really smart. If you're going to do six, I mean, it's like a nice hybrid between the two. Yeah. Because I've done six-day week movies before. It's brutal. It's it's exhausting. You have no time. Yeah. <clears throat> Although the days there, most of our stuff was exterior, so we weren't working like ridiculous days on that job. No. But, but when we, I mean, it was brutal. But huh? it's hard because it's the sand, it's the water, and the heat itself. So I feel like that adds up to it. So even if we're not working long days, I mean, I mean, I, that was one of the shows that, I, mean, I was drinking so much water, but then... I had total heat exhaustion one. Oh no, that was the second because I, I did a run of movies. I did three. You of, did three, right? Three movies. I became the like person who could do low budget features in on the Bahamas. The yeah, right. Yeah, that's funny. Well, it is important because you go down there and you find out there's like kind of Bahamas time. Yes. And things work at their pace, whether you like it or not. So you have to get used to it. I remember one day we showed up and the camera truck wasn't there, and nobody could get a hold of the guy. <laughs> and what was it? An hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. I mean, and they didn't fire him. No. Or remember... <clears throat> They're um, like, if you fire him, everyone's going to quit. Yeah. Or also, um, and I think it was that movie that uh, some of our stuff got stuck in customs. Including my gear. But For like also, a month. Yeah, but you learn too that... Um, I don't know if anybody did this, but it's, you know, you have to be really nice to everybody. I mean, you should always be really nice to people, right? But in an island, everybody knows everybody. So if somebody's rude getting their coffee to the guy at the coffee shop down the road, little do you know that his <clears throat> uncle runs the customs department at the port and suddenly right. everything gets backed up. So it's like there's Bahamas time and also sort of the island time. It's like you don't want to piss off anybody. and like Or like you said, you fire the camera guy because he's late for an hour and a half, totally legitimate reason. And the whole rest of your Bahamian crew walks. <laughs> and you probably lose all your locations. Right. Right. There was all kinds of funky or stuff. Or how about that location that That's was... That's what I just thought of. Go was ahead. The drug, uh, yeah. So one of our main locations that art department had to turn into this underwater lab. And I think they spent like m probably most of their budget and majority of their time. And they were a great department, but super small, building, you know, creating this underwater laboratory in kind of an abandoned building yeah and i think it was the night we were going to shoot you know they had the contracts all set up yeah i remember Some, we all went there yeah we, we, we went there it. to we shoot yeah well we text scouted it it was fine we went there to shoot the art department had been in for like two weeks building this whole build out you know they oh. basically built a set you'd build on stage which we actually later had to do on stage here in la right but in this in this apartment. And remember we had to do the green screen out the window in like the jungle yeah. tree. It was kind of a mess of a location in some ways. Um, but that day somebody pulled up and was like, hey, this is our house. You can't be here. And our location manager like came driving over with like the signed contract. And they're like, no, that's not the, that's not the right person. I own this. And it turned out it was also like one of the main drug like cart no, I don't know if it was a cartel, but like one of the main drug people on the island. Right. And we had to leave because we were worried like people would show up 
yeah with guns later on that day and we yeah, had so some random person told the locations person yeah. yeah you can shoot in my house and it wasn't their house it wasn't technically their house it right was, it was actually owned by somebody else who also happened to who have probably it. didn't come there very often which is why they thought they could pull it off yeah. and they had already gotten ha- at least half the money i'm sure yeah. or somebody wanted to shake down for more money I think that was probably <coughs> oh, even yeah. if it, you know what I mean and said okay no it's our Good house. Point. It could have been a lot of things. Yeah, and and I mean what there's nothing you can do. You no. just go okay. And for the safety of the crew and and for insurance purposes you you have to know definitely that oh, yeah. everything's on the up and up so. No production took it pretty serious. I mean they they definitely were like aired on the side of caution which yeah. I think was really good. Yeah, and yeah. actually it was a lot better for the show because remember we had to do the green screen where we were gonna and it was gonna be a nightmare yeah, because i remember I, that it was an open window so we were gonna have to we, sh- we had to shoot all night because we had to put the green screen outside so we couldn't shoot during the day because we couldn't build a tent over it yeah because it was too big yeah but it was also like kind of in this like shrubby area Super bad. it was gonna be just this the grips would have hated you yeah. right and so i think at the end because we came back here and we did it on stage remember we just pulled I that do. whole Thing. And so Some then, stage way out in the middle of nowhere. Somewhere in Santa Clarita, right? I think was so. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it ended up being a lot better because I was sort of dreading that that whole night and just kind of not being able to do it really the right way, you know, in terms of the lighting of the screen and just... I do remember you were worried about that. Yeah, because we <laughs> couldn't also get the green screen because of like the trees that were there. We couldn't even get the green screen very far from the actual window, like as far as you would want it to to actually lay it properly yeah it was just it was messy so in some ways the fact that the drug dealers decided to yeah it worked out in your favor i mean cost production money but yeah um which is is a bummer i felt the worst for our department because they had really spent a lot of time and energy yeah they spent a lot of their budget and a lot of their time dealing with it and then it just poof goes away right total bummer but credit to them for you know, pulling it together, and they, I didn't hear any complaints from. I'm sure there were some, but I didn't hear them yelling and screaming and stamping their feet. You know, no. it was who was it? Gabor, G- Jesus. Yep. Jeff. Jeff. Um, I'm forgetting Jeff's last name. Hey, me too. He's really cool, though. Yeah. He looked a bit like Jesus. Yeah. We'll just call him Jesus. <laughs> and then uh, was Julie on that one too, or they had somebody else? Didn't they? No, Julie no. was in. North Carolina. No, Julie was on that. Was she on that yeah, one too? Yeah, that's where I met her on it. Oh, okay, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. Julie was the art director. Right. Uh, Jesus was was he prop master? Or was he? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Lead man. Uh, he was some. They all helped well, each other. Well, I think yeah. It, it was, was so small. small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but um, yeah, that was fun. Freeport. Yeah, that was um. And where we stayed was like the perfect place to stay. Yeah. We had it pretty good. Yeah. I mean, for a low budget, we, we didn't make a ton of money, no. but I had a great time and um, it was just nice. Gosh, I hope you hear that construction. Yeah. That's what I've been dealing with for oh, like sucks. weeks now. Uh, every day. They start at 9 a.m. The trucks pull in and run at 8, though. Oh, that's which is so great. annoying. Um, <laughs> and I can hear it. it. It kicks off the buildings and comes through my bedroom window. Oh, my God. But anyway... Um, Especially when I'm trying to sleep in or, if, uh, you know, I stay up late when yeah. I'm not working or if I work late. Anyway, um, enough about me. Um, let's see. So then we did, then was North Carolina and then what else? Is that it? Is that the last time? It might be. Right. I mean, I feel like since, you know, 
because of all the connections we made, I feel like we've all, you've done worked like you worked with Susan. Like we kind of worked on other things intermingling. Oh, you actually came and worked on the 3D project that Gabor and I did. I did. I did. Um, all right. Sorry about that. Um, so then after, well, you've always done also art department with your sister. Yeah. Because <clears throat> you wanted to shoot. It's a hard gig to get. You shot a bunch of movies, though. Yeah, I think I've done seven or eight features all in. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you got sick. Yeah. And so, uh, what, a, what a nightmare. Which, I wanted to talk to you about this, like, unrelated to the business, mm-hmm. but just because so many people go through it and stuff you know and it affects everybody around you and and um your family and friends but um so can we go into the gory details not gory gory but you know um not that there's anything gory you know what i mean (laughs) yeah we'll leave those ones out (laughs) so so you you got married right before or right after the bahamas movie. right before in april before the Bahamas movie. April of 08. Yeah. We went there in like August, August, right? yeah. Okay. Because I remember you were like Skyping with the husband and all yeah. that stuff. And then you got back and tell... Give it me... Was, yeah, so I got back and it was that... Um, well, that end of that year is when I think it's sort of the first tip-off happened that I started going seeing the doctors. I sort of had some anemic issues and things like that and we couldn't figure out why but it wasn't until the april of that following year that i got diagnosed with leukemia so it was four months before yeah. you knew yeah because during those four months my like my doctor found out i was anemic kind of on a regular checkup and so we sort of did all the things that you do to see if you just to get rid of it you know right um, and then they started giving me blood tests and I started going to hematologist and oncologist and I was there I was like I remember being in the waiting room being like oh I'm so glad I'm here for only hematology because everybody around here looks really sick Mm. you know and so they were testing me for everything under the sun both like mundane things and kind of scary things so I stopped even asking what the blood tests were for because I do it they'd all come back negative I'd still be anemic I'd go in a few weeks later we do another round of tests for something else and so it wasn't until April that they did something called a bone marrow biopsy, you know, where they where they go into your bone marrow and pull out. And that's, so I didn't even know that was a test for cancer. That's a whole procedure. Yeah. Do they use like a long needle? Yeah, I've never actually, I've had over 10 of them now and I've never actually looked at the needle. But yeah, because they have to dig into your... Um, oh, it's in your back? Yes, yeah, in your back, in your lower back. So oh. they go in back there and kind of drill into it and pull it out. Yeah, it's... That's, Is it like a drill thing? Well, they do something. They're, yeah, because they have to get through the bone. So I think they must oh. have a little drilly thing to go through, and then they stick the needle through that hole that they create, oh, and then they pull the bone out. Yeah, it's really unpleasant. It's fast. It's like a spinal tap. It's like a spinal tap. So it's it's only, I mean, they numb you for that part. Of course. So somebody who's good at it that you don't really feel, I mean, you feel the numbing stuff, and that just feels uncomfortable. And then it's about 10 seconds of really weird... Pressure. awful pressure pain mm. so but it's short enough that they don't ever put you out for it. you know you just get good drugs for it basically right you know because it's too short to justify being completely knocked out but it's not very pleasant yeah well and i mean that, when you, you know. get knocked out it's a whole thing yeah. i mean then you can't 
Well, you probably can't drive yourself anyway because no. it's right. No, and I get good drugs now when I <laughs> when I do them. <laughs> I have my own cocktail for them. It's okay. <laughs> well, you've done it so many times. I guess you know what works for yeah, you. Exactly. I, I mean, they should trust you more than anybody. You're the expert. Yeah. Ten times. So, so I'm guessing. I'm skipping ahead yeah. a little here, but I'm guessing they give them to you when they when they're hoping. That's like the that's like the final test to see if there's any in you. Yeah, exactly. Because that's leukemia. really so. All the blood work ind- gives you indications of what's going on that you right. have leukemia because your numbers are going all kinds of crazy. Your blood right. numbers and this different one levels. goes up, this one goes down, yeah. that one goes right. So they can kind of tell that there's cancer, but and they can detect blast cells, which mean that can- the cancer has reached your. Um, regular bloodstream which is also really not good that's the problem with leukemia that if you let it get too far those blast cells can go if they go really strong that's where yeah exactly but basically the blood uh, bone marrow biopsy is only way they can really 100% see what the leukemia is doing how much is there and if it's left so like I'm going to have a bone marrow biopsy the end of this month okay and hopefully that will be the last one because that's going to be the one because now I've had it you know as you know but the audience says I've had leukemia now three times Right. Um, so. Well, I wanted you to walk me through how it all went down. I mean, if yeah. you don't mind. Oh, no, not at all. Like, can we do it kind of in order? Because, yeah. so, um, so you, so you're married for the first time. You're yep. like happy, and then this shit happens. Yeah. And, and um, okay, so it's April, two thousand. Uh, eight no 2009 2010 2010 yeah 2010 because we went in, I think actually oh. this was, must have been 2009 hmm okay maybe it was 2009 and maybe I I don't know are you sure about that I always I'm pretty sure okay but I'm not 100% all right um okay that's okay anyway the year doesn't matter yeah um so you get sick so what happens so pretty and much. What, by the way, what kind of leukemia was it? Um, acute myeloid leukemia. Acute myeloid. Yeah. And the acute right. part is the part that is the fast acting. So right. pretty much. So you know, I hadn't been feeling great, but certainly nothing more than you know. I was ti- now looking back, I was more tired than ever. But you know, nothing that I would have. I mean, the scary part is I was actually slated to do Eye of the Hur- Eye of the Hurricane. Jesse's film. Right. And I was supposed to go to uh, Georgia and shoot that feature. That was then. Yeah, they okay. shot. I mean, they ended right. up shooting closer to that fall, but originally it was supposed to be that spring. Oh, okay. Um, it's funny how our memories mix the time up, though. I'm like, that seems much later. But yeah, anyway, no. go on. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would have, if I hadn't just, like I said, if my doctor hadn't just detected this um, anemia, I mean, I would have gone to Georgia and shot that movie. And, you know, I mean, especially so. You know what sometimes happens with people if they have AML, they don't realize they have it, and your immune system drags down, and then you right. just get hit by something else, and then it's really hard to recover. So I got kind of lucky in the fact that we sort of had a tip off early. Right. So they detected it, but when I found out, I mean, I just I was actually working on a commercial with my sister because, like I said, between um, indie features, I worked in the art department. My sister's an art, des- art production designer, so I'd work as the art department coordinator because right. it was a good gig that I could do short term and it's so good that you had that yeah oh my god thanks insurance. yeah because i had my insurance for that thank god i had it so but i was working on a job and i remember i had had the biopsy that monday and my doctor called me and was like you know why don't you come in and that was on a tuesday 
And even that night, I was like, uh-oh, that sounds bad. But I'm like, oh, no, you're just being dramatic, Lila. It's fine. You always get these things, and they say it's clear. So I remember I took off at lunch because we were prepping. We were shooting the next day for this, uh, I think it was a McDonald's commercial. Mm-hmm. And I went into my doctor's office at lunch, the lunch hour, and she's like, you have leukemia, and you have to go into the hospital, like, right now. And it was just insane because I had to literally, yeah, that was like a Wednesday or a Thursday, I think. And I was in the hospital that Saturday, fully hooked up to Oh, I thought chemo. you went in even faster than that. It was about 36 hours. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went in as soon as they had space at the floor. Ah. Uh, you know, so they So had if to, you had been able to drive right over there, they would have put you in. Have, yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. And also, <clears throat> I got diagnosed. I was, um, my doctor was in St. John's, but my doctor did her fellowship at UCLA. So she immediately called up her mentor, which was my first oncologist, Dr. Torito, and was like, can you see this patient of mine? So she was the one who said, go to UCLA, because if you do need a bone marrow biopsy, you want to be in their hospital doing their protocols. Because St. John's, I could have started the chemotherapy, but they don't have the same kind of department. So right. I was lucky that she just immediately sent me there. Yeah. And they have some department there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, from what you've told me and what I've seen oh, from yeah. my, myself. Um, so then you went in and they start you on chemo like? Right away. So they did their own biopsy because they want to have, because I got my original biopsy at St. John's and they want to have their own baseline. Plus a second, a second. Exactly. And just, okay yeah. And then too, it right? runs at their lab and, and sort of, so I did that. And then that night they started the chemo, um, which was super scary. I mean, I, what I found in cancer is like everything, the idea of it is almost scarier than once you're in it, you can kind of make a plan. Mm-hmm. and kind of get into that mode. And right. also, you know, I mean, I'm from a family of we're all in production. So I feel like we all like clicked into production mode. Like mm-hmm. even getting me to the hospital and getting everything going, it's like, okay, we just got to... Planning and scheduling. And attack this plan and just right. get to it. Um, so yeah, so I just went in and that night they started the chemo and I was convinced like, you know, my hair would fall out immediately and I'd be exhausted. And um but it wasn't like that. And ironically, then they started giving me blood transfusions because I was so anemic. And mm-hmm. so I started feeling better. So the funny thing is before the chemo kind of did its work. You felt we, better. Yeah. And actually color right. came back to my face. Like people were like, oh, wait a second, Lila, you look, you look good. a lot more yourself. Right. So that was sort of the irony of it. <sighs> yeah. I don't remember when I first came in to see you, but because I remember Susan kind of, I th- you weren't telling anybody for a while. Yeah. Um. Well, I was in total shock. And then, I mean, the other whole side of it, too, is that, you know, as you mentioned, I had just gotten married. So my husband and I were trying to get pregnant. And that was a whole other thing because the chemo kind of knocks out all your eggs. And so we had to also decide really quickly what to do about, what to that. Do about that, which ended up being no choice at all because my doctor was like, all right, well, you just, you have, you know, I'm just going to be no, none of me left, you know, nobody of me left to even have a baby. So I just kind of skip that over but that was a lot I mean it was just like a big yeah dumping of a lot of stuff so I think it was first was that why you were at the doctor originally because you were trying to get pregnant or way way back yes it was yeah so yeah. the fact that, that was... you were trying to have a baby is what alerted you pretty much the very yeah. first alert yeah. to the okay yeah. that's what I thought I'd remembered yeah. but exactly um that's crazy um so then so they put you in this room essentially you can't leave the floor yeah and you did how many rounds of chemo in there? 
because the idea was if I yeah is that they're going to do a transplant a bone marrow transplant right yes. but in order to do the bone marrow transplant you yeah. have to be a hundred percent free of any of the cancer. cancer cells yeah to be in remission okay I mean there's cases that they can do it without that but okay. not it's not as successful right but with AML even if they get all the cancer out of me it's going to come back. They know it's still churning. Because it's acute. Because it's so fast acting that that's the problem with AML. Like, is that like, you know, they'll kill them off, but it's only, that's why everything has to be on a really fast schedule. So even <clears> after I became got into that first remission, they wanted to get the transplant within uh, under a month, as, as soon as I could kind of recover from the chemo, because they knew that the cancer cells would start growing back. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to have that. So I actually had to do two rounds back-to-back -back rounds of chemo because the first one they did, which was a seven-day regime of chemo, 24-7, I think two different kinds of chemo, they hoped that that would have worked, but that didn't give, that didn't bring it out. It only dropped about 50%. Mm. So then I had to do the second round of chemo. Right. And it was after the second round that I really, that was really hard because also then it knocks out your immune system entirely. So you're just susceptible to anything and everything. So that's when, and so that, you know, I checked in the hospital in April, it was right around my sister's birthday, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't check out till June. Yeah, you didn't leave the floor, did no. you? No, you, you were can't on leave the that floor, floor. Yeah. and they encourage you to walk a little, yes. right? Just to, yeah. But I mean, and I've been up there plenty of plenty yes. of times, but but the the idea of being trapped up there, oh man. Yeah, um, but I mean, I, and you were just like I said. I mean, you've been always one of my most amazing friends and supporters especially going through that because it's hard it's really hard it's hard to have it but i think some for some people it's also it's hard to know how to support somebody and i mean you were there i think every week you were giving blood i mean i know i have i had your blood transfusions yeah you got my platelets yeah, a bunch platelets, of times you know and just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and of course i also had the um uh wherewithal to decide that if someone's going to trek all the way to Westwood to visit me, that they're going to have a cocktail. So I always made sure that oh, I yeah. had my uh, my little cocktail hour. I think what the first one was, I think it was pomegranate martinis was my, I mean, I wasn't drinking them, but I had them. Yeah. I had very other very I know, expensive I don't think cocktails. I ever had one of those, but I did have a well, bottle of Jameson. Well, you always kept your own special stash. And the nurses would bring ginger ale and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it's, it's, it's against hospital policy, but... Yes. Um, you know, you were in a very serious situation, so yeah. they allow. Yeah, there's they, a lot of leeway there. Well, and, I and think, as long as you don't cause any and problems. And I think they were. They also knew. They keep a very watchful eye, and I think they knew that I wasn't. I wasn't drinking. It yeah, wasn't of course. Becoming. So they really, you know, morale is the biggest thing when you're sure. one of the biggest things, and so I think having friends and support systems in any way you can, if. They let patients kind of have the flexibility to find that as best they can. And they want and, you to feel at home. Yeah, too. and I think they would only step in if they clearly saw that you were doing something, you know, like if, if they thought I was also like yeah, slamming yeah. back drinks with you. I think uh, that oh, would be, yeah, of you course, know. Of course, of course. You know, and, but I do think they watch it because there's, you know, people do all sorts of things. I mean, I That's had, true. my doctor told me this um, one, he was, I think, pretty young when he did this. Uh, he wanted to go to some like youth rally. So literally he l pulled his IV and he left a sticky note in his room. Get saying, out of here. Went to the rally. I'll be back soon. 
and he should it was just like three o'clock in the Wait, afternoon did he have a port like you did yeah so i think he just he pulled his port well, out. i think he kept oh he port. unplugged he it un, he unhooked himself whatever from his was, IV whatever, from whatever he was in he probably wasn't on like the chemo at that moment right and he left a note for them and so like people were like well where's i don't know what his name joe and they couldn't find him anywhere and then somebody found this little sticky that he had left and what they do when he came back I mean, they were like, you can't be doing that. And I mean, he's he's doing really well now. And obviously, he's a lot older. Was he so. in there while you were there? No. No, oh. I think he was between one of my times. Okay. But my doctor, he was my doctor's <laughs> patient. And so she said that um, they laugh about it now because he clearly understands now. But he's a kid. He was like 19 when it was happening. And so yeah. he just... You know, he was probably kind of blocking the seriousness of the yeah, issue. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, why can't I go to this thing?" And right, you know, and they were like, "No, you don't understand. You can't be outside. You, you can't just unhook. You know, this is right. not a place you'll you get can, sick and get pneumonia. Yeah, it's not whatever. a place you can walk out of." Right. Um, wow, that's so crazy. Yeah. Um. So, two rounds, and I saw you throughout, and man, it does a number on you. Yeah. It it really does. Um. You can see it to the eye, you know. It's such a bummer. And I know there are all kinds of other side effects. I know it messes with your stomach really badly and you're not hungry and all kinds of stuff. Did they, I don't know, did they ever like medicinal marijuana, did they ever give you that or did they ever suggest that or? No. um, And right now, at least because like I can't first I never really I didn't I was pretty lucky that I didn't get that nauseous I mean and they also have a lot of good stuff for nausea which is a lot of reason why people use um marijuana or uh, to help also because you lose you lose your taste buds so you lose a lot of your sense of taste and helps with hunger so yeah it helps with hunger and stuff appetite right I've asked my doctor if I can use it and she's not unopposed to the use of marijuana but the problem is is that there's not enough clinical studies of it while while i was taking i've been taking the drugs i've been taking oh so, so the she, crossover is the yeah, scary part so she right. was like well later on when you're kind of more out of this kind of critical stage uh-huh. but since we're tracking everything if there was an issue they we wouldn't don't want to throw able, another random uh thing one into other the yeah so that's kind of the reason why although i have had friends who've had other kinds of cancers and they have been prescribed medical marijuana. Okay. Even in the hospital, like in hospital for pain relief and stuff like that. Right. But from my particular set of circumstances, it didn't really make sense. I got I it. mean, she was like, well, you can use it topically. Because I was thinking I'd like to use it more to sleep. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, some, especially like that. Like you're on CBD a lot of, oil or something exactly. or whatever those things are. And right. so that was really what I was thinking that it could be useful <clears throat> for for me. But, but I mean, I think I could use that maybe in a couple months when I'm kind of more right out of the current treatments right um okay so so two rounds and then was i at your first no i was not your sister gave you your first yep so my uh, sister was a match so i had a um, bone marrow transplant which is basically they go in and you pretty much get a whole new immune system right by you're taking someone's someone else's stem cells and putting them in your own body after um the and then the chemo they give you for a stem cell transplant they really kill off as much of your own immune system as possible so basically if you didn't have somebody else's stem cells in you wouldn't really be able to survive right. with the chemo they get you down to say i'm gonna throw out a number it's not like maybe 10 percent right you know so that can rebuild five percent so that five percent can rebuild to a regular immune system but with the bone marrow the chemo they give you with the bone marrow biopsy they bring you down to like 
under 1%, so you really can't rebuild it in hopes that that's also gotten rid of all the cancer. And then they put a new person's immune system in you through their stem cells. Right. And so, yeah. So crazy. Yeah. So my don't my sister was a my first donor. So you so was the first donation because the second one I was there for. Yes. We had a party in yeah. your room, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and it, we saw the lady come in with a cooler, yeah. literally off an airplane from LAX. Yep. And brought it in, and it was just a bag. It, it yeah. looks like a bag of blood, kind of. Yeah. The colors a little yeah. different, but. That your sister's was the same way. Yeah, my sister's because she actually gave bone marrow, so it was a bigger bag. Oh, she gave marrow. Yeah. Oh. And actually, that's because she was on a job, so <laughs> she um because as an adult, it doesn't really matter if you uh give stem cell if you get a transplant through bone marrow transplant or through stem cells, mm. but there's two different processes. When you do bone marrow, they put the donor out and they go in also back to their, their back and they actually take actual bone marrow right. and the bone marrow is a mixture of all the different types of bloods in your body including the stem cells right um and then if you're donating stem cells they it's just much, like drawing blood yeah it's like doing a it's, it's kind like, of like doing like a platelet draw yeah. right and so most of the time for they, a couple they of draw reasons, the blood out they filter what they yeah. want out of it and then they put the rest yeah. back right so in adults i would say maybe 90 percent are through the second stem cell transplants for a number of reasons. First off, um, it's cheaper for insurance because that you don't have to have a, a surgery. You don't have an anesthesiologist and all of that. Mm. Um, and it really, it, for the outcome of the patient, it doesn't matter. Now, for children, children respond better to bone marrow transplants. So, like, say if you were a donor, if you got asked to give your bone marrow, it's most likely because the recipient of your of your cells is a child because for whatever reason child bodies prefer that process wait say say that again if you're so if most i would say about 90 percent of the transplants stem cell transplants are done through the periphery blood through the stem cell okay, transplant gotcha. process because in adults it really doesn't matter they've done studies and adults respond to stem cells from periphery blood versus stem cells from bone marrow in about the same way okay but in children children have a better response if it's bone marrow oh so say you sign up to be a donor most like you have to be prepared if you want to be a donor to, to give either that, way right but if you were signed up on the registry and somebody if they called and said we want you to do it through bone marrow most likely it's because your recipient your match is a child is a child Got it. that makes sense sorry it probably made sense before yeah. but sometimes i'm a yeah. little dull um but so what happened is and, and that's but by the way i i believe be the match right yeah be the be match. the match.com yep. i'm i'm a i'm a donor Thank i always you. hope i'll get a call i mean it's a pretty amazing thing it's like you get to save somebody's life yeah um I feel pretty good. You know what? I feel like a jerk lately because you're the one I credit. You're the one who got me into donating platelets. I donated for many years after, and I've kind of dropped the ball on it lately. You know, if you get out of the habit of yeah. it, I used to go, you could you do go every like seven days. Yeah. So you can do once a week. And platelets are really important because um, I think blood, whole blood can last, I think, almost two weeks or something in the blood bank yeah but platelets only have a 48 hour window right and the first 24 hours of that they have to like for example at ucla they, they have, have to, to send test it to tested mm -hmm. and the testing facility is in arizona i know How did, i didn't know you knew that yeah. i knew that too so yeah. if you and 
a lot of people need platelets. So being able to donate platelets, I mean, being able to donate any blood's amazing, but if you donate platelets, which is slightly longer and a little more involved if you're the... Yeah, it's hour and a half, two hours. Um, but but it's so little time out of your week once you're used to it. Yeah. I mean, you can... I went to the one in the West Westwood right by UCLA. There, there's a separate building on... Yeah. Uh, what's a... It doesn't matter what... People can find it. But you can park... There's like... Bob Hope parking around back. Like you park like 10 feet from the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you go up and everybody knows you. I made friends there. My, yeah. my phlebotomist, this guy, Tad, um, I know his wife and his kid. I've, I've gone to oh, birthday awesome. parties with them and hung out, you know, they're, they're good people there yeah. and they're doing nice things. And, um, it look, it's a, it's a, it's, it's robbery what they charge for it. You know, I can't even give you platelets. I give them the platelets and then they charge you out the ass for yeah. them, which I get that they have to pay for the machines and all that yeah. stuff. But what they anyway, that's, that's a whole that's other a whole subject. Another, yeah. But um, it, it does bum me out because, you know, um, if you don't have the right insurance, you don't get quite oh the right God. stuff. And, yeah. you know, um, no, thank God for motion picture health. I yeah. Mean, but definitely. It, but everybody should donate if you can, you know, at least blood. You can do blood like every 28 days yeah. or something. It's, 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 uh, blood's 10 minutes. It's probably longer to fill out the paperwork. Yeah. You know, it's probably 10 minutes to fill out the paperwork and eight minutes to, I mean, most people, it's pretty quick. But if you want to donate platelets, here's the things they give you. You can see, oh, you can't really see them, but in that empty thing in my cabinet mm-hmm. there, there's a stack of $50 and $25 cards to the UCLA center gift cards like okay. i have like 800 dollars or 400 that's something. amazing and then i had i haven't paid for a movie ticket it's like you're it's like a movie it's like movie pass every time you donate they give you three movie tickets to whatever theater you want this that's, is yeah. this particular one it's gaily that's where it is um anyway it's such a bonus and and i get to feel really good yeah and i happen to be negative this weird there's a thing that most people have that cats carry in your blood doesn't hurt adults at all but it's not good for kids so most of my platelets actually went to kids oh that's cool which makes me feel good too you know because kids are innocent you know you can have cancer and still be an asshole and i could give platelets but kids aren't assholes for the most part so no i know it's so true i I always felt good about that yeah i mean i can i mean that's why i always do my uh toy drive for kids every right I mean, i've been doing you it do. not always i guess i started it three years ago yeah but there's something to be said like i don't know i remember it's actually my first room looked down over the little playground like yeah. a little outdoor area where the i remember the theatric, that you know and you could be feeling sorry for yourself Oops. and you look out and there's some little kid with no hair or with a ivy pole and he's playing outside or she's playing outside and you mm-hmm. just realize like it could be a, worse. It could be worse. So right. I love doing the toy drive because it's just the idea. Just you can do something for those kids. But I agree with you. I mean, I wish, I wish I. I mean, obviously, I can't donate right. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wish I had known before, or you know. Yeah, I mean, my donating is a drop in the ocean compared to what you've done, because I was I was looking into it today. How much money have you raised now? We're close to two million dollars. It's fucking unbelievable you created okay wait so we don't have to go back into the whole timeline but was it was it after the second time yeah so so after the first time so basically i had my um my sister was my donor and had a uh, bone marrow transplant and at some point you decided that you wanted to go to kilimanjaro yeah well that was the next year round so i got really lucky is that after the first round 
I, you know, it took about a year to get kind of back to health, but I did. You know what I mean? I got back. I yeah, shot they say a, it takes a year, right? Yeah. You know, I shot my, which was now sort of my, the last move, last feature film I did mm-hmm. um, with Wade and Mark. You know, I was kind of getting back to my life. It was, you know, everything was sort of coming back into place and stuff like that. And it was about three and a half years. And with leukemia after a transplant, if you hit the four-year marker, they kind of consider you cured. Because right. statistically, it doesn't come back. And I um, had decided, this was now 2014. So the January of 2014, I was I decided I wanted to try to, I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro. And I was trying to get people to come with me and nobody wanted to come with me. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it as a solo trip. I'm going to join a trek, you know, but I'll travel by myself to Africa and do it. And literally the week I was booking my flights, at that point I was seeing my oncologist every four months go in. Have right, it was your clear, good, go. Yeah, chat right. a little bit. Come in back fact, in four months. In fact, at that time. And you my, guys had become good friends. Well, no, at that time, oh. my original oncologist, Dr. Torito, who's amazing, she was like pioneer in the field. She had retired. Mm. And um, another doctor had taken over her practice, Dr. Larson. Uh. And I had seen her twice before. And I remember the first time I saw her. I was like, hey, you know, you seem really great, but I don't want to get to know you very well. Like, I'm just going to be in and out of here. You know, she seemed kind of cool. She was right. young. You do the test, yeah. fine, but, but I, I'm not going to. We're not no going to. Yeah, right. I sort of said it jokingly. And then the second time I saw her, I was also the week I, you know, I'd been working, um, doing a lot, some art department work and stuff like that. And um, I was going to book my flights to my trip to Kilimanjaro. And that's when we found out the cancer was back. Well, basically, my numbers were off. And I right. kind of knew. I mean, we had to do a bone marrow biopsy, but I had perfect numbers. And so when things are off. You know where the roads Yeah, I kind of figured that's. So then you don't book your flight yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. So then my friend, who's a production designer, made this uh, poster for me for my hospital Gabor. Room. No, it was actually my friend Patrick. Oh, who I, I thought work it was with. Patrick Lum. No, Patrick oh. Lum, who I work with in commercials. Okay, cool. Like foreign commercials. So he made this poster of Kilimanjaro through a window. And we put it in the hospital room, and it was I like remember it so well. With yeah. an, was there an elephant? An elephant, yeah. 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 And it was like Groundhog Day again. I mean, it was oh. also right around. It was May this time around, 2014. I went back into the hospital. I had to do two rounds back to back chemo to get into remission. Um, and I had this poster up. So, but you know. but you also lit it very nicely in there, and you made it, you made it like an apartment in there. Yeah. You had a nice blanket and this and that and 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 you made it much more comfortable. Yeah, for for people coming in too, and for you. Yeah, it just well, felt I mean, like I think more... anything you can do to make to make your life to kind of feel like your life isn't just in the hospital. Like I never wore, I've never worn a hospital gown. Right. You know, I always made sure that I was, you know, I I put little snaps in tank tops so that I could put take oh, it on really? and off over my that. pick line and stuff, because for me mentally, the whole idea it's a Having cancer in that way is, I think, a huge part of it is a mental game. And I mean, I looked at it a lot because I used to run marathons. Yeah. It's kind of the idea of like when you're getting into marathon training or um, I used Gotta to be joke, ready for the long yeah, haul. Yeah, really ready for the long haul. I mean, I used to joke, too, that it was like being stuck on a, a really bad indie film that you were <laughs> stuck in for like two months at a time. Your life was just going to disappear and you just have to like slog through it. But, you know, it's going to be over. Like I sometimes would think of like my hospital stays right. in that manner. Um, you know, it's funny, North Carolina, like the thing that kept us sane on that was hanging out at night and drinking all that good local beer and exactly cooking cooking steaks or burgers or, you know, that's what kept us sane on that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's like I am it's a, the same I, idea, yeah, and though. I am a junkie for 
endurance and i think film sets can be endurance and yeah. that, you know especially our long grueling days and especially when it's with people that we don't always mm. agree with or love to work with and you know or just be that was creative. physically brutal too because yeah. we were in that forest and yeah. all on hills all the time yeah. and staying creative within that type of environment when your just body is exhausted and you don't want to go on but you have to kind of get up and just think but at least the, the food was terrible the, yeah. the food was so bad yeah. except oh my your God. burgers no, no, no. The, I think my cooking was fantastic. The reason I had to cook every damn night, because a lot of times when I'm on a project like that or a feature, I don't eat dinner. Yeah. I come home and have a bourbon and pass out, mm-hmm. you know? I had to eat on that one because the the catering was so bad because there was, Hunger Games was there and they had like, oh, yeah, they had the only three caterers in North Carolina were working on it. Yeah. So we had some jackasses in it. Yeah, I don't remember them at all. I remember they they served chicken chicken cacciatore or something one day, and it was fish. <laughs> I lost like fifteen pounds on that movie. It was bad. But back to back to oh, your. Oh, so anyway, so I this poster was up, and of course I love to talk to people and you know get people involved in my crazy ideas. So I kept asking people like, "Hey, you want to come with me to Kilimanjaro?" and People actually started saying yes, which included my doctor. Included me. Included you. You made it on our first hike, our first training hike. My favorite photo is because you were so hungover on that hike. You were like off to the side when we all jumped. I didn't jump. And you were just like looking at us like, what are these? You painted, you photoshopped me out of it. I I did. Which is totally fine. I was so, because I I was like, oh God, I look like the biggest asshole in the world. I was not feeling well. If you knew the backstory, you'd appreciate it. A huge, giant amount of McDonald's on the way there, like 10 minutes before we were feeling well or you were hungover oh i know i was hungover yeah exactly uh, yeah i mean you know and i'm not i'm not trying to say i no, wasn't but then i got like a gut bomb of food like 10 minutes but it was it it was all my fault yeah. i'm yeah. not blaming it on it i'm just saying it was it was bad yeah. um <laughs> but anyway i did so, make it up yeah. though, but to be fair eventually you did no you did you were part of the team i mean kind so of. anyway we basically formed a group of people group of friends doctors um uh, that we're going to come to climb Kilimanjaro. And one of my doctors, I remember, was sitting in my room and he was like, oh. And he actually climbed with his daughter, not on my group, but later on in the oh, summer. Oh, he went a separate time. Yeah, because he mm. wanted to go with his daughter, so they had to do it. There was one group that had kids in it that kind of did it during summer break. Oh, okay. Because she was graduating. Plus to school. do it with all the kids is good yeah, too, Yeah, right? so it was fun. It was sort of like the family trip. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, he was like, we should get Leukemia and Lymphoma Society involved. And they're an incredible organization. I mean, they, they fund like the out-of-the-box kinds of cra- crazy dreamer scientists that, I mean, I think their their fun- research has, the research they funded has been with all breakthroughs for, it starts with blood cancer, but those um, discoveries then go out into all cancers. In sure. particular, immunotherapies and original chemotherapies, and they do great patient services, and they have something called team and training where you can train for marathons and triathlons and raise money for them. So he's like, oh, we should get LLS involved for, so people donate for you to run a yeah, marathon. Right. Exactly. So I reached out to LLS and was like, hey, I have this group of people. We're going to climb Kilimanjaro and we want to do as a fundraiser for you. And they loved the idea so much um, that we ended up starting a whole new campaign for them called Climb to Cure. So pretty much for every... Climb the number two Climb cure. to Cure. Right. So uh, And so what we did is we took... They, we, have a, we had a coach design a training program that can take you from couch potato to mountain climber within about three to four months is the program 
And then for every uh, $6,000 you raise... six six to eight. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> for every uh, $6,000 you fundraise for them, you get a $1,000 travel reimbursement. Um, up to, I think it's five or $6,000. So basically, you can get your whole trek paid for. Wow. Just by raising by, money. By raising money. Um, and it sounds like a lot of money at first, but actually it's... I mean, I raised most of my... I mean, I, I granted, I had a captive audience because of my story people were aware of it but mm-hmm. i mean i raised most of the money um through facebook and right. through posts and sharing it through you know what i mean and, and then and your most, friends like i yeah. would share your your when you would post yeah. about it and, and, and most of my i would say i mean i had a couple big donations um but i would say the majority of my donations were between 20 to 100 dollars, maybe 50 dollars. you know and and what was your that first was it ten thousand? No, you I, went way over. No, we, I on my own. I think I did um, twenty five thousand, and then as a team, we raised over one hundred and thirty thousand. A team of twelve of us, because we were the first group to climb. Right, January of twenty seventeen, um, and then since then, we have had two hundred people climb. We actually have people on the mountain right now. Oh, really? And my team. I was supposed to do Everest Base Camp. I know. So my Everest Base Camp team is actually right now in Nepal tracking are they yeah wow and so collectively as a group i think we're about there are like four mountains they do now they're doing ever space camp uh kilimanjaro well we just i'm gonna do patagonia patagonia right in january i'm um, sorry in next uh a year from now in thanksgiving november of okay. 2019 and um there's also a really cool trek to ecuador which is cotopaxi which is the one right is, but basically you you trek seven different um volcanoes in ecuador Oh, travel cool. around so it's a really cool trip so another climb to cure alumni is um who's also a, a cancer survivor he had lymphoma he's organizing that one so we have wow four different trips do you going. know him personally yeah oh okay and he's great that's so cool yeah. so you're doing patagonia that's like your new thing yeah so that's going to be the next ever space camp was supposed to be but then you found out the third time yes this motherfucking cancer. Yeah. I'm going to punch it in the face if I ever see it. I know. You're already punching in the face, I think, yeah. though. Because you're doing great now. Yeah. Well, I mean, amazingly, this time around. So I was set to do Everspace Camp. It was, once again, three and a half years out. I was so close to getting to the elusive C word that I, you know, mm-hmm. being cured. And um, my numbers were off last April. And it was also, once again, on my sister's birthday. My poor sister has now had two birthdays where I've been mm. right found out and gone into the hospital but what's amazing is this time around i did um oral therapies so right. i was only in the hospital i think two weeks on and those were just for small like five I, days at a time i know i didn't even come to see you no it I, felt so weird i know i mean you're still being treated right now yeah i'm still in treatment now um basically i did something called a dli so my second transplant was an unrelated donor he was actually a guy from germany who's now 26 i know you found him i found him i have we're facebook friends ironically and he doesn't he's not aware well i'm i don't know if he is basically um, for german for germany people who donate from germany it has to be anonymous for two years Mm -hmm. but you can send a letter but a ton of people donate there yeah well because forget why because in germany when you're 18 you're automatically put in the registry Oh, they put you in the registry, yeah. right. right? So right. a lot of donors come from Germany, and it's so easy to get in the registry here. You just put literally Q-tip your mouth and yeah. throw it in a thing, and yeah, if it. you go on um, bethematch.org or dot com, they'll send you a kit in the mail. It's yeah, so it's easy, like the easiest thing. And um, and then and then mo the vast majority of people who 
donate, which is the way he donated, is literally one needle in your arm, which yeah. I know people don't like needles. Suck it up. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It doesn't hurt. You know, to get a needle for a little while, like yeah. an hour maybe. Watch a movie. Yeah. And <laughs> it's this like is, the easiest thing. Yeah. And, and also on top to of save that, somebody's you life. And you don't pay a penny. If you're a donor, all the money is oh, from, of course. you know what I mean? But it's like a completely, you know, you're taking Oh, care you know, of, you're just donating a little bit of time. Yeah. So you're and, donating. A, right. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to, yes, yeah, it's a couple hours of your time. I mean, imagine you donate and then find out in three years that you're, that the, the, the person you donated to lived because of you and now has a family or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Is living a good life. Yeah. To me, that's, that's payment enough. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I know. It's incredible. I mean, if you also think about it, it's like cancer you know we're talking about my story but i bet oh everybody's whether it's one step two steps three steps and unfortunately we're we'll all be one step at some point probably but but and you know and people are you know so many researchers are spending thousands of dollars and hours to try to come up with a cure yeah and the fact of the matter is every one of us has the potential to have the cure inside us for another person right and just being why wouldn't you yeah and if you say i don't like needles that's uh, honestly i really want to I'd want to. Yeah. I had a friend that. Oh, he's like, oh, it's really cool that you do that. And I'm like, you should do it too. He's like, I, I can't do the needles. I'm like, stop being a pussy. Yeah. But well, I mean, because sometimes you'll find yourself in life where you don't have a choice for needles. Well, when and you know, you know what? Yeah, maybe you end up in Lila's position where oh, you don't want the needle, one. then you die now. Yeah. You know, and and you'll you'll be begging somebody else to put the needle in their arm to save you. Yeah. So anyway, not to be too yeah. much of a dick about it, but it, it's not hard. Yeah. It's it's very simple, and they treat you like a king when you do it. So yeah. come on, yeah, uh, suck it up a little, exactly. but. <laughs> um, yeah, let's. Uh, I need a little more water. Do you need more water? I'm good. Let's take a, a let's take a oh. break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll uh, come right back. What I was gonna tell you before uh, is, no, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, <laughs> no, what I, I'll tell you now. We kind of got off when I the second time you went in. I think you either you or Susan texted me day of and said you know it's yeah. on again <clears throat> and i knew what that meant so on your second day and they on your first day they started you on the chemo on your yeah. second on your very second day i came in to visit and to stock the bar a little bit and you know <laughs> and um get the band back together yeah and you looked great you looked great and then i came back on day 7 5 days later and I was like, holy shit. And maybe I shouldn't tell you this. I don't oh, no, know. That's fine. Um, I saw you and I was like, <gasps> it had aged you. That chemo had aged you so much. And I felt so bad for you. Of course, I didn't say that to you at the time, no. whatever. But you put on a good face. Well, my thing has always been like certain people are like super technical with you about what's going on, your treatment and stuff. Mm-hmm. Susan's always been on top of that if I ever wanted to know anything I always ask Susan mm-hmm. but I didn't want us to be that way yeah. I just wanted it to be me coming to Hanging say out. hi and I mean most of the time when I'd come in I'd just tell you stories about work and what yeah. I was working on and bullshit and blah 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 and, and I try to set you up with nurses right right <laughs> and and um and that was kind of it I didn't want to you talk enough about the 
the shit. Yeah, no. <laughs> we don't need to talk about the shit, you know? We can talk about my shit and then you can laugh at yeah. me, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Which is the way I felt about it. I hope that was... Oh, yeah. No, and that's... I always it was felt, great to have, too, because it's like you want... Little distraction. Yeah. I would always take over your your Bluetooth speaker and play my music. Exactly. <laughs> God, I'm starting to sound like a jerk. Come you in and visit no, you and talk about all. my stuff and play my music. My favorite, one of my favorite moments, though, is after you visited. Because you also used to come, which was nice, too, kind of on the later. Like, you come in the evening a Yeah, lot I'd of always time. come in, like, happy, happy yeah. hour-ish. Yeah. And, if I could, right. And so, one time right by where my tv was which was close to like the door and the bed was because you know i wouldn't hang out in the bed i'd hang out in the like living room area Yeah, there was a little sitting area which was nice yeah um you had left uh, a glass up there and so the next morning when the doctors came in for the rounds i i looked up and i saw it and it was one of the doctors that just is not leaning in at all and there was uh whiskey in it get out of (laughs) here and i was like oh my god the whole room must stink Oh no! Because I've been sitting all night, and I remember like discreetly like going and like quickly throwing it oh, away. Oh, so you didn't notice? No, so they didn't. Oh, notice. Phew. but it was funny. I was like, oh, I almost got busted. <laughs> oh no! Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, so when, when, um, <laughs> we're sorry, we're distracted by the cat right now. <laughs> um, when. So that second time I was like, oh my God, you know, it was, it, I mean, I knew how serious it was anyway, but it was just like this, this five day thing. I was like, holy cow, the change yeah. is incredible. Now, I don't know if, if, if that dose was stronger than the one previous or what, but it was crazy. Yeah. And then they didn't quite get it with that, with I think your second round after yeah. that, then they did a third. Is that correct? Well, the third or was, was the, the transplant, but I got really sick after that second round. Oh my God. That, I mean, I lost, you know, I think I was under a hundred pounds. I didn't eat for 10 days because the lining of my stomach was so, uh, like had like all sorts of stuff on it. I mean, I remember they came in and they were like, oh, you can't eat or drink. I couldn't even have water or ice or anything. Um, and then I started getting those rolling fevers where I was I had about right, I a week of because I got a really bad fungal infection that they still to this day never knew what what caused it. Wow. But it was I mean that was that was the worst part of it. That was the time when I just really felt the closest to like oh fuck I might not be able to pull out of this one. Um, I think we all felt that way. I didn't see you that much during that time because you didn't really want visitors. No, I really understandably yeah. I mean, so. My but. my sister was amazing. I mean, she came and took over. But just once the fevers and the stomach stuff hit, I mean, I was really, um, yeah, I didn't really want a lot of people around. No, you want to be alone. Yeah, you want to be want your sister to come for you or your mom. Yeah, to come for you. Yeah, and, and I mean, also, you know, I really loved having the energy of having friends come in and feeling kind of kind of normal and that's to be entertained yeah and to have something else going on in your head but when when you're consumed by it yeah and also i i what was good for me was it also i mean i didn't hide the fact that i was sick but it made me kind of not think about it because i felt like i had to you know i love hosting of course so i kind of had to sort of i would put on a good face so when the times that i was, was super sick i just knew i'd naturally do that also and knew i didn't have quite the energy mm-hmm to do it you no, know what I, I mean knew. it was sort of the idea of like I knew even know. on the first time I would text you and say hey I'm thinking about coming in today or tomorrow or whatever yeah. and you'd go you know my stomach's a mess today yeah. don't and I'd no it was I great. never I, mean, f- I, I always friend. just I mean, felt yeah. like 
I'll let it, her know I can come in today, uh, you know. And knowing people were out there, knowing you were out there and like was enough. You had support system. You know what I mean? It's right. like I know, I knew, I mean, I still know to this day I could call you anytime and you'd be there like oh, that. Yeah. And I would do the same for you. And just having friends like that is, I mean, to me, I feel like it's my best it's the thing of most I hold of most value. Oh, you know, thanks. Like it's just amazing. it's easy. It's easy to be your friend. It's easy to help. You yeah. know, and your mother's so lovely, and your sister's so lovely, and your niece, your niece and nephew are so. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know your whole family. Yeah, and, no, you're part of the family. It's like thank you. You know, thank you. I appreciate that, and I'm grateful. But um, but yeah, that 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 last time <clears throat> during the second. Whew, well, the, it's, you know, the chemo is... I the, was scared for yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, the you know, it's it's ironic is that you don't, especially with leukemia, because there's not like a tumor or anything like that. So you don't feel pain of the cancer. It's the chemotherapy right. that is the causes all the, the issues. The symptoms are the, you know, the I problems, mean, that's right? really the stuff that... And so that's what's been so amazing. This last, so like I said, I was planning to go to Everest Base Camp. This Right now I was supposed to be on the mountain. Yeah. And last April I got diagnosed again. But the biggest difference has been, I've been having to do oral therapies, chemotherapies. So I've also been able to be home, which is great. I mean, I sort of was stuck at home. And you have a super supportive fiance. Great, yeah, who's been amazing. And um, who's a great guy. You know, and, but I also just, it's not, it hasn't been as taxing on my body, you know, which is unbelievable. Like just the fact that, you know, certainly was, has not been easy. Sure. I don't, it's, I haven't had to go to those places, some of those places. And I mean, I you're taking time. a class at Pepperdine right now. Yeah. And like, I mean, <laughs> you're living a life. Yeah. You're not trapped in a box. No. Which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think I saw something on Facebook you wrote um, that this, this therapy you're doing now wasn't even available four years ago. And no. LLS has, yeah. they, they were the ones that funded this research to yeah. make these things possible. Yeah, they're do right now. They're um, your I mean, your two million dollars. Oh, I, or I, everyone's two million dollars went to a great place. Yeah, no, I'm, and you're seeing the. I mean, that's what's incredible is I see the change, and we're right now on a really amazing. I think we're really at a tipping point with cancer research in general, um, because a lot of the theories behind immunotherapy and everything that with the and genetic testing and all that. Now the technology and science have met the theor theoretical baseline, so the discoveries are happening rapidly oh so, really yeah so i feel like right now is a great time to put money into cancer research because we're gonna have a lot this of is when it all those years of of grinding away in a laboratory they pay off for yeah. people right? or things that they thought they could happen you know we, we sort of had an idea that the genetics could unlock this but we just had we still were mapping the genome and we, it was harder to do that and right. now um all of the science behind that and the right. actual technology behind that has ramped up and right. so these ideas that have been kind of knocking around theoretically are now going to be able to really be tested in the laboratory mm -hmm. and um, immunotherapy is amazing I mean you know like they have a, a one cancer therapy with t-cells where basically they and I think he may have even won somebody might have even won the Nobel Prize for Medicine this year about it but basically they they took the AIDS virus and, uh, yeah I've heard of this and yeah. they um changed the mutation so they took the stuff that causes AIDS out of it right and then they put it into attached it to your T cells so they basically turn your own cells into these serial killer cells that now can go back into your body 
and, and attack the attack cancer, the cancer. Cells. right and um it's so crazy yeah and i mean that's you know if uh, i do require i think they did it with smallpox or something too mm-hmm. right yeah and honestly like if i do require more therapies it's going to be that kind of technology like even when i was discussing because for me right now a third transplant would be very difficult because the chemotherapy that you need to do a transplant you're not really supposed to do more than once in your lifetime. Really? Yeah. And, and you've even, done it twice. Yeah. And so now when they look at my bone marrow, they see certain mutations that are present that are probably because of all the chemo I've had. Really? Yeah. So mm. also because it hasn't been as effective, that's not a great choice for me. But what's really brilliant, even my doctor and I were talking about, is I did this round of immunotherapy, knowing that the possibility that it might come back is probably greater because it's already come back three times mm-hmm. but if i can buy enough time we're on the edge of the so many getting so much better. yeah so it's like let's buy a year or two, even if it's just a year or two a year or two from now the therapies that are going to be available that are now just in early clinical trials right cool um, are going to be wait so you actually did that immunotherapy i haven't oh, okay well, no, no no because we know it's down the line, but there are some T cell accelerators, not but similar to that, where they where they enhance your T cells. That if I have to do further treatment, I might do some of those. Okay, but it was more like we had that conversation, saying like, okay, let's. No, no, but I thought you said this round of immunotherapy. You just meant this round of therapy. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, sorry. that's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I wanted to be Thank clear you, that no. you didn't do that yet. No, yet. I haven't done it yet, right. but it was interesting to be able. They're to still have... testing that. They're doing it on yeah. people though, but they're still. Yeah, and not for AML. So it's, right. it's working really well in lymphoma. Right. Oh, um, already in lymphoma? Already in lymphoma. I didn't know that. Oh. Um, but what, so what happens is it's about a five-day period. When they give you the, when they put your cells back in you, these new T cells, um, there's about a five-day period that you're in the ICU that are pretty intense because your body, basically your T-cell, Your body's having a war. Yeah, because the T cells go in and they like overpopulate your system because they recognize the cancer. But this, for lymphoma, that period is about five days. So they know they can keep you, you know, you have to be at a certain level of health to qualify for it, but they mm-hmm. know they can sustain somebody for five days. Mm. With AML, the trials that they're doing, they haven't been able to get that to a narrower level. It's the so T it's cell. 10 days now the, or Yeah, and, that, and that's not as it's survivable. Too much. Yeah, oh, so, really? Okay. So there's a few clinical trials, but they're really kind of last when detached... Ditch efforts right now. Are they trying them on people? They are. They are. But they're still working on it. And also, with the T cells, they identify certain proteins to to attach this little receptor to. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think they found the perfect protein yet for leukemia. For leukemia. But and now, and right now, they're focused on um, proteins that are on the outside of the cells. But now they're working at T cell receptors that can get inside the cells. And once you get inside, you can also have more where areas you can attach. Oh, so. The long and the short of it is from my very You're just waiting on progress. But we're right at the edge of it. Right. I mean, I think it's within the next two years, we're going to see huge breakthroughs. That's crazy. Um, and like I said, this... And it, the it's world, not just for lymphoma and leukemia. Oh, no. This will, this, this will spread to everywhere. Yeah, this is going right. to... What's good, blood cancers are a really good cancer to um, do testing on. First off, because between lymphoma and leukemia, there's um, is fluid, but there also is solid tissue. Mm-hmm. cells is um, tumors because of lymphoma but also with blood cancer you can take so many it's blood so it's there so they can do a lot of testing right so a uh, blood cancer is a really good tester cancer oh, okay. to work on right and then like you said as soon as that gets developed and it's not just um cancer this goes also out to a lot of um 
uh, immune diseases, Crohn's disease, wow. um, rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, there's there's lots of. I mean, any progress is going to help everybody yeah. essentially, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure the lung cancer foundation or whatever wants donations but their research probably helps you guys a little and vice versa and yeah so anywhere you donate if they're doing research yeah not using the money to raise more money to raise more money it's really important (laughs) it's a good place to donate yeah i mean i think the good news is with nonprofits is that they have to be pretty transparent um for tax purposes so I would suggest anybody out there before you put write the check, do a little bit of online research sure. and see what percentage goes to the um, actual research actual, right. or the cause, you know, even if it's not just research, okay, you know, right, the yeah. patient services, whatever it is, and how much goes to the organization, the infrastructure of the organization. I mean, some of it has to go there. Sure. You can't have a multi-million dollar organization without. But I mean, like, for example, I think Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is riding around 85% goes to the Which mission. is very high. Yeah. Yeah. But I think anything high 70s to 80s sure. is showing that your dollars are going to be effective. If you start seeing lower than that, you might want to maybe look at a little further to find Well, out. remember, like, I think um, some of the big ones had kind of scandals like Livestrong yeah. and I think even Red Cross had some, yep. I think certain parts of it. I, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on the issue, but I've... You know, I know a little bit about everything, and I know I've read about this at some point. Yeah. And, <laughs> and no, it's just it's out it's, there too. I it's, mean, and it's really easy to find that's out. What I mean. It's not so hard to know. So you just do a quick search. And yeah, then, right. exactly. If you're and, thinking about donating to LLS, look it up. Yeah, exactly. Like right. put and they're and I, you know, you go on their website. They're I mean, probably they're also transparent about it because their numbers are so good. I bet. You know, if it's hard to find in an organization, you also question, well, why did they bury it so deep That's in their a good website? Because yeah. they have to. I mean, legally, they're required to be right transparent. Sure. But I think the ones that are really meeting that high standard, like LLS, that will be part of their pitch to you. Of course. So if you go on a, you know, I mean, I think the American Cancer Society is another excellent right place to put. You know, there's there's certain organizations right that, and if they're a good one, you're probably going to be able to find it like that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. If it takes more than 10 minutes, you might want to <laughs> move to another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. But um, so, yeah, so you're in you're in round three and the difference is like staggering. Yeah. Because previously, you know, we, we met at a restaurant the other night and you went and saw a band play at the Troubadour twice in one week. Yeah. And then so... Okay, you can't drink alcohol right now, but that's not that big a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, you're you're out of the house. You're sitting yeah, here with, with me. Yeah, I can't really be outside. That's another thing right now. The sun. Oh, oh you've really had the sun, sun thing, right? But right. But yeah, I mean, I can. I've been able to go back to life. A yeah, lot, a lot easier this time around. Yeah, well, at this point in your other treatments, you would still be in the hospital, correct? Or you would just be out, maybe. Maybe just out, okay. but I would still be. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's really interesting how it sort of tracked the same amount. But yeah, I definitely would probably have um, more restrictions in terms of... Mm-hmm. And I think I'd also have been a lot weaker. I mean, the yeah. chemotherapy is really knocked out in terms of... I mean, I'm still weak right now and I've lost weight, but not like 15 pounds of weight loss. Right. You know, and... You still did chemo this round, though. Yes, but it was oral chemo. So right. it was more targeted. So how I like to think of it is, you know... The, the chemotherapy that I did before, which is intravenous, so it goes everywhere, 
is kind of like say you know they know a terrorist is they have the information the terrorist is at a restaurant mm-hmm. and he's you know it's Osama bin Laden so they decide they're gonna just blow up the restaurant because it's worth it right but there's all that collateral damage sure so oral chemotherapy because it targets the actual cancer cells more effectively right. and it kind of bypasses others is like you have the intel that Osama bin Laden is at that restaurant but you know what table he is at <laughs> right you know where he's sitting so you sure. can send a sniper in right so yeah gotcha. you might still have somewhat you know everybody would be stressed it stresses the rest of your body but the overall damage is less gotcha so it's a much more targeted therapy so kind of like having like a chest cold as opposed to the flu yeah or, or, or yeah, a sore throat as yeah. a, or, or yeah. something right yeah, yeah. Um, no that's so good yeah. and your spirits are really high I mean they've always been high I'm sure you've had your down moments um, yeah I mean, I think, I don't know, one of my doctors, actually my main doctor said, you know, uh, that they see that, that attitude is something she wishes that they could prescribe or put in a bottle, but you can't, it's, it's harder to do that, but they do see in patients that if you can keep a positive attitude and outlook, um, it's going to help your outcome overall, because it is a mental game. Sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's very physically taxing, but to handle that and kind of keep your spirits up yeah um and like i said for me it was marathon training i mean it was a lot of working in the film industry you know it's it's some you know i i i thrive on endurance and kind of perseverance you're used to the grind and um yeah and so i think that that was something that i kind of have now and i'm sort of naturally optimistic um but it's hard it's interesting i found that the the emotions have to go somewhere i always found kind of at least the first two rounds, especially the first time round, it all hit me about a year after I was declared kind of healthy again. Really? Yeah. That's when I kind of hit a sort of depressed, like the just sort of the cloud of depression came over. And this happens with a lot of people because, you know, you also have everybody rallying around you when you're going through treatment. And mm-hmm. um, once you kind of get back to nor- the new normal, there's a lot of residual things that are, you're left with the effects of. And you don't really want to bother the people around you. And everybody's relieved that you're doing so much better. But you as a person suddenly have to deal with all the stuff that you maybe you pushed aside. Right. You know, and so. You kind of came out of the woods, but you're you're still mentally in, in Yeah, there. kind of like, and you right. sort of go through like, okay, what was this process? How is this affecting me? And, you know, that's where a lot of times people who've gone through cancer, um, that's where the kind of more emotional sides and issues come it's up. one of the toughest parts, huh? Yeah. Hmm. And you don't want to, you know, people are ready to move on too. You know, you've had your whole support team, people like friends who've dropped right. things, stood by you, you know, they, and you don't feel like you want to bring them into it, right? Because it's like, this is the ce- the celebratory part. They think it's like, over. Yeah, it's over, right. but there's a lot of sort of residual stuff that's left there. Right. I remember in North Carolina, you had, that was like your first job, or yeah. one of your first jobs yeah. after. And um, we had some, we had some heart to hearts about yeah. stuff. And, um, my, I think we both shed a few tears. Yeah. No, and that's really that whole time frame. That was sort of near the, not end because I continued it, but the end of the real, because also that's when my, I also divorced my now ex-husband mm-hmm. and kind of, but that was also a lot of residual stuff that was coming up after that. Of course. So, you know. Well, it turns out you find out a lot about a person. Yes. When you get sick. Yeah. And um, a tip to people, if you don't go and see your spouse, your husband or wife, and they're in the hospital for two months, um, you're not going to be their husband or wife for very long. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, and 
you can redeem yourself and be a nice person afterwards or whatever, but nothing replaces being there yeah. for somebody when they really need you. Yeah. And, you know, um, this guy wasn't. No. I don't hate him or anything. I, I, no. I don't. I don't even know if I've ever met him. I probably met him once, but yeah. and I know you don't either. You don't have any, Mm-mm. but you, you know you can't pretend. No, no. And right? It was sort of night and day from. What I always said it was a good thing. You guys, you know, it was it. I shouldn't say a good thing, but like you dodged some bullets. Yes. You know, cancer yeah. helped you dodge a couple of bullets. Yeah, it certainly did. <laughs> it certainly did. And uh, so I don't know. You have to take the good. Yeah. I take good wherever you can find exactly. it, I guess. But yeah, which is normally not me. But when I look at other people, it's easy for me to see yeah. it. Me, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know how I am. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it's inside you, though. You got that car. I guess I just I don't know. Like, I kind of hate people, but then, like, because not all people, but so many people. <laughs> I think people are so terrible. But then I see other people, and I'm like, oh, they're so great. I don't know why. It's extremes on yeah. every end with me, I guess. I, yeah, but I, I feel know. like you've always had such a fascination with humanity and what makes people tick. I have. I really have. Yeah, I guess it's part of why I do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And even why we're in the film industry. And storytelling, like the curiosity of like kind of what makes people tick and why yeah. why they're telling their stories and yeah. how to get that across. I mean, I feel like filmmakers in general have that. Yeah, yeah. There's a kind of a search for the human spirit. Yeah, kind of thing going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and the adventure of it and stuff too. There's a lot of other things, but huh, yeah, I never wanted to sit at a desk. Yeah. <laughs> That was about. <laughs> and mean, here you are sitting at a desk. It's not a desk; it's a table. <laughs> um, uh, you were shooting a bunch of stuff, and I encouraged you. I even shot. I sent you some footage I shot yeah. during your. Well, wait. What do they call it? Um, your rebirth, right? Yes, so friend. now you have. Th- wait you, you have three birthdays. Three birthdays. Yeah. Because when you get a transplant... They call it your new birthday. Your new birthday, right. And now you've had two transplants, yeah. so... I'm just um, getting younger every year. <laughs> true. <laughs> Great point. Um, there are people that want very badly to be able to replace their parts, right? Yeah. Netflix made a show about that. Um, but um, uh, you were shooting footage. I don't know how much you shot in the hospital. I didn't shoot a lot. It was hard to shoot a lot. And you always encouraged me. And um, I thought hard. you should just get a GoPro yeah. and just shoot every day. Yeah. And I had my camera in the, the, my 7D in the hospital with me the whole second time around. But it was more hanging out than I used it. But then we have been shooting. And actually, I'm finally editing it together. So we shot um, the whole sort of climb to cure movement, including our trek on the mountain. And after. So... We are editing that right now. Cool. And that was fun, kind of also figuring out how to film on the, while we were climbing. Yeah. Well, uh, Black Magic helped you out, right? Yep, Didn't Black, they give you one of their yep, small they donated cameras? two cameras. They, oh, two, a, a really? pocket camera and the uh, Studio 4K. Um, and I use the Studio 4K for interviews, but that is not kind of appropriate for being on the mountain. But I Oh, it the, didn't go up the mountain with you? Um, no, just it's not. Too it's, big. it's yeah, it's too big, and um, 
It's just too compartment. It's really, a, I mean, it's a beautiful camera for what it is, but I, I think it works best in a studio setting. Sure. Uh, but what we did, I had the pocket camera, which I loved because I had it literally right on, on me every time, every day. And then my friend who came up and shot it, uh, we, he had a C100. So we had oh, a C100, okay. the pocket camera, 7D, and then we had six or seven GoPros. You had that many GoPros? Yeah. I mean, we only, or no, I guess no, we have five GoPros. We had pretty limited because basically we had to bring all of our batteries with us. Um, oh, right. So Did you have a solar charger or anything? We had solar chargers, but those only work so well for batteries. They take forever, they, too. Right? Yeah, maybe they would. And also, you just don't, they're better for like phones and things like that than, I mean, GoPro batteries, they could kind of work. Uh-huh. Um, but we decided that we would actually just take enough fully charged batteries to last us per camera. Wow. That's um, a lot of batteries. Yeah. Because so your trip was 10 days, no? Eight days. Yeah. Oh, eight. Okay. So uh, the A cam was the C100. And so I think we had, I think we brought like 12 batteries or so. Sort of, sort of two a day. Anton Bowers? Uh, yeah. It's heavy. No, no, no. They're smaller. C100 smaller. They're the little chunky. Are they like the those full... Sony batteries? Yeah, exactly. They're kind of. Oh, uh, right. Right, right. Right. Okay. Um, so we had those. And then the pocket cameras, it takes a teeny battery and they're you can get they aftermarket ones. So, I mean, I've got about like 24 of them because you can get um, off-brand ones oh, okay. inexpensively. And then... Oh, so yeah, no the seven, And then the, the 7D is just the 75D. So I think I had another 10 of those. Those little Sony inserted, or not Sony, maybe yeah, Canon, Canon or whatever. Canon inserted but, yeah. ones. And oh, then... Okay. Um, I was thinking you're trekking up with like backpacks full of... Well, almost. Bars. I mean, Red had actually offered to loan me an Epic for it. Oh, really? Because um, I do a lot of work with them and they were were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I looked, I mean, obviously it takes a lot to turn down that offer, mm-hmm. but uh, I would have had to get a full permit. I would have had to bring up a Jenny and the batteries and all of that was just a bigger production. It's too much. Yeah. Because I also wanted the trip to be about the climb. Right. And, um and documenting it be also sort of a secondary piece. That's also why I brought somebody along to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And it was a friend of mine who actually climbed Kilimanjaro. He's a cinematographer and director. And he he had climbed Kilimanjaro once before on his honeymoon. Oh. But because he was on his honeymoon and he's a you know shooter, he made a point to not shoot a lot because he wanted to focus on being with his wife on his honeymoon. Oh. So he loved... I knew he could handle it because he had done it once before. And he loved the idea of going and different, really focusing. Totally different experience. Yeah, and being able to focus on filming it. Cool. So, uh, and actually, honestly, we did, I had people do video diaries and shoot the, um, the iPhones have gotten so good that, you know, yeah. for documentary, we're using a lot of footage from the iPhones. Awesome. So I would pass out as we got colder though, I would pass out batteries and wool socks and make people sleep with the batteries in their sleeping bag so that they stayed warm. Cause that was the biggest issue. No way. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be like at dinner, I would like bring like packets of batteries yeah. and I just divided it amongst here's people. Sock, here's your I was sock. like, okay, put this in your thing. And so, and then no way that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So that they didn't get cold and get drained. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. Um, that's great. What do you, what do you expect will happen with the documentary? Um, you know, I think it's going to end up being probably running time 45 or so minutes. I mean, I think it's going to be, probably put it out to film festivals but i think it also will be just a piece i want to use it a piece to um highlight the work columbia cure is doing at lls uh i've also found that i'm better behind the camera than in front of it i'm not a very good subject i like myself i don't you may not like it i'm sure you were fine yeah but it's you know it's harder for me to see right now the 
because it's so much about my story. Right. Um, but I mean, for me, I think also I'd, I'd like the- And you've left him to direct it, right? No, I'm directing it now. So oh, you just, are? He was just, the, he shot it. He was just it. there to he shoot. He was to shoot. Oh, I mean, okay. he's a director in his own right, so he had a great eye for it, an eye for story. I wanted to have a shooter sure. that had that. Sure. Um, but he hasn't been involved in the uh, editing process. Oh, so, he hasn't? Mm-mm. So it's you staring at yourself all the time? Yeah. Well, I have a great editor. Oh, good. Um, okay. But it's been hard because it's, you know, uh, <laughs> documentaries are a labor of love for a very small group of people, usually one person and two. Right. And it's very hard for me to look at myself and my footage and my story. Right. So it, I think that's why it's taken so long for me to get it from a hard drive into complete edited format. But That makes sense. But we put, you know, actually also once I got sick again to um, Anjali. You've met Anjali. Of course. So Anjali's... Uh, co-directing and producing it with me oh she and, is yeah so she oh. i mean she, although she's now in singapore so it's also harder because we're all <laughs> sch- scheduling oh but she really took it up again um and That's good and is spearheading cutting it getting it out there in the world so good i'm hoping we'll have a cut by the winter i'm sure lls will be supportive yeah um yeah and we've used some of the footage already for some um for promotional s- stuff some for them promotional stuff for them oh great exactly so it, it, it some of the footage is out there but the this one will have sort of more my the my story, and I mean I think for me too, it's kind of like, if anything, it's sort of the idea that you know, if you have just an idea or a dream, and it seems kind of outrageous. Like I had a dream, I was like, I want to raise a million dollars for cancer research, and I was able to do it, and then some. You know, it's like you mm-hmm. can do things and still you, going. Yeah, you know, that's it's so cool. Like, that's a legacy for your life. Yeah, you know. Whether you live another 50 years or another 49 years, yeah. you know, uh, whatever. That's so awesome. I just noticed you still have your port. I forgot. I do. I do. I um. That's the reminder. It's still it's still here. The Although reminder. it's funny because even last time, because I, I still see my doctor now um, once a week. Uh-huh. And she's like, do you want to pull that yet? And I'm like, you know what? While I'm go- still going once a week, I'd rather have the blood draws from here you're so used to it any, yeah, I'm so anymore used to it. right i mean i have to saran wrap my arm every time i shower but that's, but honestly my veins are so i already have small veins and there's so much scar tissue i remember you had a problem because that thing has to go or at one point had to go over your collarbone and, oh yeah i hated that was the port yeah i hated that thing the port yeah it made me look like a weightlifter from gold's gym with a big vein. Oh, right. You just had to go like under the vein, right? Well, it had to go, it, it went over my collarbone. Right. So it looked like a vein. It looked like a vein, right. Was, right, 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 right. I thought it was the other side, wasn't it? Your it, left? Uh, no, because the scars. Oh, yeah. Wait, did you have one there too? No, you just had that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> it's very minor. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just crazy, like the stuff they have to. It's great how technical technological it is, but like you've you know you've got a damn thing in your arm. Like, I know. For how long now? Months on end. Since April. Right. I'm yeah. sure you have to clean it. And every week they do they clean it. Like, oh, they, they do. They do a dressing change, so they come oh, and good. they change everything. And, so it's nice and right, yeah. right, right. And this one has actually been really good. I've had other ones because this is my fourth one. Oh my god. Um, that like I had one that basically was directional. So anytime I they drew blood, I have to like sit up or say the alphabet or cough because it would like cramp climp like it wouldn't really work well and this is also which I is one thing you but, me that. so but weird. you know in the hospital when you're in hospital they do your blood draw at four in the morning 
Right. So, you know, you finally gone to sleep and they wake you up and now suddenly you have to like be doing acrobatics to get the blood coming out of your and you've got to sit up now and start talking yeah. and to move around yeah. and whatever yeah yeah that's that's bad so this one's nice i actually am very it's my good friend <laughs> okay. even my doctor suggested it go i think i grabbed it like no really? not I, my friend i, think, I haven't like that yet that's so you gotta poke me once a week no. <laughs> is that all they're doing is one blood draw yeah they week? do the tr- yeah pretty much oh, okay and then i mean then if they need anything else they will but for right now that's yeah okay um why do they do it at four in the morning? I don't know if anybody gives a shit. Oh, but. they do it at four in the morning because then they bring the blood to the lab, to the technicians who do all the results so that they have, um, at 7 a.m. is when the night nurses change to the day nurses and also all the doctors come in. So it's like so good they for sure, their rounds or whatever. Yeah, so you get the you get your new results their in the fresh morning. Stuff. The doctors, before they actually see you and have their meetings in the morning, have your most current results. Your absolute freshest results yeah. of everything. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, okay. It is a pain though, huh? Yeah, it <laughs> you really is. have to is. sit up and, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I think you're, I can't wait to see the documentary um i'm curious have you have you i know you know who your donor is you haven't told him i don't think he knows i know you friended him on facebook have you thought of approaching him or yeah i really wanted to and you know i had like i said i wrote a letter you know he's a young german yeah he's 26 now he looks very sweet because we're facebook friends susan's facebook friends with him. you just friended him and he accepted so which is so funny yeah i know right well because i had his information and i so i had sent him an anonymous letter which he received through be the match because they make sure about a a year after kind of thanking him and everything so he knows that but in that letter you can't talk about anything really specific can you say where you're from or anything I think you can say United States or maybe California, but you can't say what hospital. You know, you have to pee. You have to right. stay pretty neutral. And right. they read it and I think would pull anything out. And then I reached out and they gave me his information and he, they gave him my information. So the first thing we all do now is become Facebook friends. Oh, so he has your info. Yeah. Oh, so he knows. Well, yeah, because we're Facebook friends. But uh, I didn't know email. he had your info. Yeah. Oh, okay. So... What I decided, I talked to my transplant coordinator because this was, I got his information in probably February, March. Right. And I was planning to write an email, but it's a hard thing to write. You know, this person saved your life. I mean, it's, or it takes some time to compose, right? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, Because even though it came back, he did save you. Oh, I'm alive because of him. Right. You know, I mean. Same with your sister. Yeah. yeah, You know, it's like, uh, and I, you know, have done a lot of great things. But even even if like this time had not worked, I mean, the right. last four years, you know, I I like to live life to its fullest, so yeah. I wouldn't take back any any of those moments. It's even basically if, been every four years, yeah. right? Right. Um, but basically, so my I talked to my transplant coordinator because another option we still might do is um, ask him for more of his stem cells uh, in case I needed to do another transplant of mm. his stem cells or a boost of them, even if it wasn't the full transplant. Okay. So we decided that it would be better if I didn't reach out now. So if if we do need to contact him for a medical reason, we'll go through the the channels. Got it. So he doesn't have to feel like he now knows me personally and then we're asking. Like that felt a a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she was like, well, why don't you hold off right now? Let's get through this. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you know, we'll gotcha. see if we need to reach out to him and I'm ask I'm sure him. he would be, um, he did it the first time. Yeah, but I kind of wanted to respect. I understand that. that no, no, no. Separating that wall a little bit. Totally makes um, sense. I get, I get that. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I doubt there'll be any issues. I doubt so. I, I think so, too. I mean, right. I don't think that there would be any reason that he wouldn't do it. So, but I plan to um, once, because we still... Although it's looking because my numbers are doing really well, because that was also one of the options is that we ask him for more of his stem cells mm -hmm. um, and do another one of those things, the DLI, where I get a boost of his stem cells. Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm not replacing my immune system. Just adding fresh ones. Adding fresh ones. So, And that is still one of the biggest options on the table if we made that decision. I don't think we're going to have to do that right now, knock okay. on wood, because my numbers are looking really good. But I'm going to hold off until that's really – we decide that, okay – that's not something we're going to do in the next few months. Then, mm -hmm. I, then I'm going to reach out to him and just kind of give him an update. And cool, but it's cool. I mean, I see if you go on bethematch.com, they post these a lot. I mean, there's people who have you know gone to the, their weddings, have become friends. You know, uh, actually, a really sweet one was uh, there was a woman who had cancer. No, no, the woman was the donor, and when she got married, the uh, the little like five or six year old that was her flower girl mm -hmm. was the recipient mm. who she had donated the stem cells to. Wow. You know, so there's a lot of really cool stories because you can connect with donor and recipient right. afterwards. And I mean, it's a pretty unique It's bond. like a worldwide database. Yeah. It's so great. Um, I remember uh, related to that um, many years ago, actually 2001, that would have been, I'm pretty sure. Or very beginning of O2 <clears throat> in Florida, they did a th they used to do a thing called the transplant games, and it was all people. It was like the Olympics, but people who had had transplants. Oh, how cool! And they shot it all, and it was like press burst. So they send it to all the stations and cut stories together, and um, and I you know. I don't even remember what we shot. I, I, well, I remember what we shot, but what I remember more than anything is the people who had made these like deep connections, especially like, oh, it, it, uh, it makes me emotional um, because these people were so sincere. Um, there was a young guy who, who, who got in a car crash and died and his lungs, I think had gone to these, to this kid that was sick and uh, I, I, uh, there were a couple of different ones, but like where a whole family, the whole family of the guy that died wow. went, went, showed oh up in Florida Amazing. to support the, 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 the kid, the kid who now was 20 or 18 and or something and, and his parents were there and they're like good friends. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, I mean, they lost something, but also they have this thing where they feel like they have this connection to their to yeah, their they, person. Their person lives on. Right, right. Which they do in a in a way, and you know, especially like the heart ones. <laughs> That's yeah. like you know, um, but it was it was it was just really cool. And some of them are really great athletes, and were athletes before, and um, so it was neat. So I can imagine with with um, with be the match. There are a lot of stories like that too. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think also just not to get too philosophical, but I mean, I think with any type of transplant or things like that i mean our world is so divisive right now of like mm -hmm. everyone 
goes to what is their differences. Right. We're also fundamentally, biologically the same. Right. And people want to do good and they want to have, you know, they're like, they want to be healthy and they want their family to be healthy. And I feel like the act of donating blood or donating, you know, right. being, a, you know, having. If you can't connect on that, what can yeah, you Yeah, I mean, at the on? end, because we're all, we're all kind of the same. I mean, right. I have, I have XY, you know, I have XY chromosomes in my blood. Like, you know, right. it's, we're, it's so, you know, we, we so focus on what divides us, but it's like, come on, it's not, there's not, mm. if we look at the different, what, what is similar. If far away is that right yeah the simplicity yeah. of it yeah you're right you're right everybody just wants to live and not be sick and be healthy and yeah. happy of course um well most people anyway yeah i'm i'm convinced there are people that don't <laughs> they're sons of bitches no, i'm just kidding um we don't care about those people <laughs> well it is a little different um yeah we don't care about those people um but it is a little different with blood or stem cells because with the transplant games because most of that People, some of it wasn't died. someone's passed yeah. away yeah um there were instances of kidneys and stuff where i mean we met people who didn't know someone facebook wasn't it was a thing but it wasn't really a thing mm-hmm. i think no it might not have even been a thing but um where people kind of put the word out like my friend is in dire need if you can have a, a test blah 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 yeah and like random friends of a friend of a friend would go, oh, I'll get tested to see if I match. And they match and they give them a kidney. Yeah. I had Who that. are these people? Well, That's what I, it's so right? unbelievable. I know. Well, I had a, a good friend of my sister's uh, needed a kidney transplant and she worked, I can't remember what airline, but she was a stewardess for many, many years and had to stop working. She had, she was having to go to get, you know. Um, dialysis weekly she had oh, her kidneys were failing yeah her kidneys uh. were failing and it was very hard for her to find a, a transplant and um, the airline had a little like magazine that went out to all its employees and it was one of the big ones I mean right I can't remember which one but like an inside magazine yeah like newsletter yeah type newsletter thing. type thing and okay. so they did a little article on her and her story and this woman reached out to her total stranger was like I read your story and I would like to test and see if I could give you one of my kidneys I've talked about it with my family my husband and I just really want to do this for you and she tested and she donated her kidney to her and my friend's doing great and like yeah but it's like total she just read that and was moved just to and that's not a where do these people come I mean, from and that is a major thing I mean that is not a oh, walk in the yeah, park man. donating a kidney well you also shorten your own life yeah Having one kidney, I, I maybe I'm, I shouldn't talk out of turn, but I think it, it people with one kidney yeah. live shorter lives than people with two. But that's a big deal, especially if you have kids and a family and stuff. No, wow. I know. I mean, amazing. I honestly, I don't think I'd do that. Although it's hard to know until you're in that position. Yeah. But I don't think I would. Not a complete stranger. Not a, yeah, complete stranger is, you know. I would have to know a lot about them i i don't i just don't yeah i just don't see it happening you'd have to check in with them are you still living up to my kidney yeah that's a good point <laughs> that's a good point you're gonna affect my my drinking schedule yeah. i'm gonna have to <laughs> um well i look forward to when you're better and you know what the it's so awesome the recovery time will be so much shorter yes. for you this time yeah I mean, it won't be that much at all. Yeah, I mean, you look great no, right now. Yeah, you don't yeah. look like. Yeah, the first hundred days after the DLI, so that'll be an end. So end of this end of this month is when we'll know. 
Wow. Because we'll okay, do the great. bone marrow biopsy and we'll see if I have to do anything. Because that's when we're really going to see what's happening. But like I said, I mean, I saw my doctor on Monday and my numbers are all, I'm in the low end of normal for most of the numbers that have been very, very low. So. Gotcha. Oh, so it's about bringing them up, not. Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. I don't know how, what, whether oh, yeah. they're high or they're low or whatever. Yeah. They're coming near they're coming somewhere to where they should yeah. be. Yeah. That's great news. Yeah. That's great news. No, because the sooner, but the sooner you're better, well, one, the sooner I can buy you a martini. Yes. And, <laughs> and two, the sooner you can start shooting again. And yeah. We haven't worked together in way too long. Way too long. I know. Maybe it'll all come together perfectly and Susan will start her next movie and we'll work on it. Yeah. It'll be great. Exactly. Hear that, right. Susan? Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks so much for Thank coming you. in. It was fun. It was fun. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just glad to have you here. Glad that you're still here. Yes. And you're going to be here a long time. Yeah, you're not going to get rid of me that fast. All I'm right. like a cat. Speaking of that, the, the cat wants more scratches, so we better go. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, Lila. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks again to Lila. I always enjoy hanging out with her and having her around. It's great. Um, and I got a text from her this morning. She got her biopsy back from last week, and she is leukemia-free. That is great news. I'm really happy to get that, especially on the day of her episode. So um, congrats to her, and I guess the road to recovery starts now. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, hearing a little about her. Um, if you are feeling charitable, I'll, I'll mention these websites again, lls.org, be the match.org and climb to cure.com. That's uh two, the letter two, or, sorry, the number two climb the number two cure.com. Um, so, um, and let me reiterate signing up to be a bone marrow donor is super, super easy. And, um, you know, if you can save somebody's life, what's it hurt you? you know? Um, and like I said, I've donated a lot of platelets in my life and apparently the, the donation for stem cells is just like that. It's, it's very minor and easy. And if you want to donate, uh, uh, platelets or blood, please do, you know, they always need it. There's somebody out there that's sick right now. That's kids sick or something that could really, really use it. So, um, anyway, that's it for me for this week, but I'll be back next week with another new episode.